I'm Austin. I'm Mike. We are the test drivers. And we put tech through its paces. So Mike, guess what's on sale already? When I read this in our show notes, I honestly didn't believe it (laughs) or thought that it might be some kind of like limited time for some sketchy company type thing. But the Samsung Galaxy S21, yes, the phone that has been on sale for two weeks is already on sale. So Best Buy, Amazon, a bunch of companies are selling the S21 for $100 off and the Plus and the Ultra for $200 off. Unbelievable. I would be so mad if I bought one of these. (laughs) So I bought the S21 that we talked about on the last episode at the full $800 price. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, that did come with some freebies. So it came with, uh, like, I think $100 off of the Galaxy Buds Pro, as well as I think it came with, like, a little Galaxy tile. But that was a pre-order bonus, right? That was not, like, a normal thing. I don't think you can get that as soon as the phone came out, right? Which was nice, but $100 in, like, accessory credit isn't the same thing as 100 real dollars that you don't have to spend to purchase the phone. And especially when you look at the Ultra, that's now a $1,000 phone. Right, that's a substantial difference from twelve hundred dollars that it was, you know, a couple weeks ago, or of course the fourteen hundred dollars that the Ultra cost last year. I don't understand how they could take two hundred dollars off and still be making any money on it. Ooh, well, that's a question of like, it's always hard to understand how much money these companies really make. Right, because yeah. you can look at like the the teardowns of like, oh, the component cost is three hundred and fifteen dollars, but obviously it's so much more than that. You have to consider the the retailer margins, whatever the carriers kick in. There's so many ways that you can account for that. I never have a great sense for it, except that I'm sure even on a thousand dollar ultra, they're still making money. Uh, I don't think they would immediately discount it. Although, if you want to be a cynic here, you could look at this and say, oh, wait a minute, is the real like interest in the s21 as high as they expected because i get that you can do pre-order bonuses you know that 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 makes sense but to cut the price and mind you this is not like a super temporary sale as far as i'm aware because this went on sale over a week ago and it is still the same price as of recording so i don't know if this is permanent but for something so new to be cut by a pretty substantial margin to me feels a little weird i don't know if it's a lack of interest thing or maybe it's just a oh we have way too many units please buy our s21 please 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 so apple's um margin on the iphone is 35 percent okay so you've got to imagine that apple's margin is as good or better than anybody else's right you'd expect samsung so i think it's fair to assume samsung's margin is 35 percent say okay $200 off would be cutting that straight in half. That's a lot of money to lose if that's the case, right? So then they would be making like a 16% on the original sale price. And so cutting your profits in half seems like quite a lot. And it has to be what you said. I assume they just haven't sold very well because why else would you do this? If if you sold out of all your pre-order phones you wouldn't be discounting them by three-figure numbers two Mm -hmm. weeks later. Yeah. Well, the only other thing I could say about that is that the margin for Samsung might be slightly different because they do manufacture so many of the components, 
Right, but the way that stuff works, though, is Samsung Display will have their own profits and their own accounting, right? So, like, True. it's going to be Samsung Mobile, but they're still playing Samsung Display and all that kind of stuff. So, I don't think that the profit margin would ladder up that way. But yeah. irrespective, I think, of, like, how much money Samsung is making on it, there is a there is a story here as to, like, why? Because this, we know it's going to happen. We all know it's going to happen, right? We spoke about it on the show. Like Samsung always put their phones on sale a period of time afterwards, but it's usually months after. And this is a couple of weeks later for significant discounts from the top tier retailers. It's just, it's just a very strange thing to do. Yeah, and especially considering that this year's phones are, of course, cheaper, right? Which is one of the major mm-hmm. reasons why they're better. And I think all of them are pretty reasonably priced, with the exception, I guess, of the Plus at launch. But now, especially that Plus has now come down essentially to $100 more than the S21, which I think is where it should have been, right? So now you're looking at $1,000 for the Ultra, $800 for the Plus, and $700 for the S21. If this stays around, I mean, sure, it might be a questionable decision from Samsung, but I mean, we're not... Samsung are like reps here. We're people who want to buy phones and these are really good prices yeah. if they stick around. Yeah. I mean, I'd be mad. Well, Mike, it's fine because I got myself $100 off my Galaxy Buds Pro, which I actually don't think we've talked about yet. No, we haven't. Uh, they're actually pretty good. I know you and I talked a little bit offline just sort of briefly about them. They're actually pretty good. So I would say these are certainly like the the AirPods Pro kind of competitors. So mm-hmm. unlike the Galaxy Beans, which are the ones that honestly are still some of my favorite looking headphones, even though some people might think they look a little weird. But what were they actually I liked called? The, the Galaxy Buds Live, That's I believe. It. But yeah. I mean, they were okay. the Beans. Everyone the knows beans, yeah, they the were bean, the Beans. The Bean phones. So the pros are a little bit more traditional, right? Mm-hmm. So especially if you use like the Galaxy Buds or the Buds Plus, which side note are just great headphones and are often pretty cheap anyway. But these are sort of an evolution of that. So they're a little bit of that flatter look. They're not like AirPod style with the stem, but they don't fit in your ears like a bean does. It looks much more like a traditional headphone. But there's actually some cool stuff here. So sound quality. Very good. I would say right. better than most of the sort of earbuds, certainly better than any of the other Samsungs that they've made. But it has not only the, the rubber tips, but it also has the active noise cancellation. But Mike, I know we talked about this before, and I actually have an update. So there's a feature on the Galaxy Buds Pro. It essentially will allow you to, when it detects that you're talking, it will turn off the noise cancellation, mm-hmm. lower your volume, and turn on transparency mode, right? Which as we've discussed in the past, how I'm constantly afraid that I'm going to get run over by a car when I'm walking around with like active noise cancellation on. It doesn't completely uh, sort of get around that. But if I'm walking around you know, with my wife or something, I'm low, I a- ask her a question or she says something to me, it's nice that the headphones actually will dim the volume, right? Now, I was using this when it first came out, right? So I guess I don't know, two, three weeks ago, whatever. And at that point, it was good, but it was a little jarring because while it would like kind of dim the volume of your your music, it would like jack it up like 100% after you know five seconds or something. It was a little bit disconcerting and right. it always didn't work quite the way I wanted. Like one day I was like outside, like running with my my hoodie on and the noise of the, the hoodie, like kind of rubbing against the headphones was like scratchy enough that it actually would turn off randomly or hmm. I would find myself like, gently humming to myself which I didn't realize I was doing and it would turn off so like <laughs> it was 
<laughs> it's teaching you things about yourself that you didn't know. <laughs> I, I do a lot of things that I don't necessarily pay attention to. Mm-hmm. However, there's been a, actually, I think there's one, maybe even two updates since uh, I first got the headphones and it's gotten better. Still not perfect, but I will say this is a feature that I want everyone to copy, right? It sort of gives you the best of both worlds. So explain to me then with the talking part, because I think that's the that's what it's, I mean, that's what they're marketing mm-hmm. at, and that's where the real benefit is, right? If somebody talks to you, does it work? Or do you have to talk for it to, it, to, to, to come through? From the experience that I've had, it is usually when I am talking. If someone's talking loudly, fairly close to me, it will sometimes trigger, but it is way more reliable when I start speaking. But like I said, with that early firmware, there were other random noises that were causing it to to trigger. Now that we've seen the update, it hasn't done that as much. Not that I've, you know, done my hoodie test in the last couple of days since I got the firmware update, but I've noticed that it has been a little bit more consistent, but it is much more meant to be like, you see someone talking to you and go, oh, sorry, what was that? And then the volume goes, and then you actually have the transparency on and you can hear what they're saying. It's cool. It's not perfect. I wish that they had the ability for you to tweak it a little bit. Like, for example, when it lowers the volume on my music, I wish it, like, I feel like it lowers from, like, I don't know, 70% to 30% or whatever. I wish it would go a little bit quieter because sometimes it's still a little hard to hear unless someone's very close. And I wish that while it sort of, when it turns on, your volume kind of, like, dims. So it's, like, you know, a half second goes, like, But when I am sort of done talking, it still just goes straight from the lower volume up to the higher volume. So I feel like they could just kind of like kind of scoop it in and out a little bit. But it's really cool. So does it pause? No, no, no. The music or whatever you're listening to continues to play. See, I don't like that. I would want it to pause. Well, I would like that as an option. And they certainly should make that an option. That's the thing. I just think... It's a sort of version 1.0 style feature, but they've got everything there. There's no reason why they couldn't add some more toggles and stuff because they have like different levels of like noise cancellation, right? So you can pick like, I think it's like standard versus active or something. Like you can tweak some of this stuff, but I wish for this feature, which is super, super useful, they Mm. would allow you to tweak it a little bit more. But still, uh, I might not have an extra $100 in my pocket, but I'm actually pretty happy with the Buds Pro. I still like the Beans for the look, but I don't think there's really any getting around the fact that the Buds Pro are pretty much better in every other way. Because, like, I'm a podcast listener, right, mostly. And so, like, lowering the volume of a podcast is not helpful. You you want it paused. Yeah, I will actually say, though, when I've listened to podcasts with them, it actually, that's almost a better use case for it because... While when I'm listening to music, when it lowers, sometimes the music's still a little loud, just obviously because podcasts aren't generally as loud as music. Mm -hmm. I find that actually it's better tuned for podcasts because Mm -hmm. I can still kind of hear the podcast in the background, but it's much quieter to the point where I can really easily hold a conversation with someone. And it's almost like, you know, I've got like one earbud in listening. It's not like I'm traditionally having a conversation with the podcast running, but it's a lot less jarring then when you're listening to sort of moderately loud sort of music, it doesn't really kind of lower it enough for it to actually sound usable, I guess would be the way I would okay. describe it. And but I it's guess cool. it's with cool. all of these things, you you have to be comfortable being the person that doesn't take their earphones out when they talk <laughs> to someone. Which I'm yeah. not saying is wrong or right. I'm just saying like <laughs> you you you're going to keep them in, right? Like if you're having a conversation yeah. here, you're not going to take one out or whatever. 
Uh, so you just have to be aware that you need to be comfortable being that person. Yeah, I will still say I've actually tended to not use it as much as I might because I still like the idea of having one in. That way there's mm-hmm. never any question. And like you said, I look less like a uh, person with earbuds in. Person who a makes choices. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lots of words that you could use to describe this person. Um, But yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still, though, I think this is a feature that everyone should steal. We've had a couple of other pairs of earbuds in the office, um, specifically the Status earbuds, which are coming out soon. Actually, it's going to be on a a, a video in the next some number of time, uh, which are a very different kind of approach. So I've actually been kind of cycling through some different earbud options, but I've been pleasantly surprised with some of the stuff that they've done. And obviously, Samsung always do a good job of like, the case is small. It fits in the little jean mm-hmm. pocket. It wirelessly charges, decent battery life, et cetera, et cetera. And importantly, unlike my previous Galaxy Beans, uh, it doesn't fall out of sync when I'm watching video, which was always a problem with the, the Buds Live. Oh my God, that would drive me mad. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think, I think it's more of an issue with my pair because no one else ever talks about this problem. But uh, yeah, the beans were always falling out of sync. Like I would have to pause and restart the video and it wasn't syncing up correctly. The Buds Pro have a much easier job of keeping up regardless of which kind of device I'm using. This episode of The Test Drivers is brought to you by Behind the Tech with Kevin Scott, a show about tech heroes who have made our modern world possible. Every episode features innovative people who have made their mark in their respective fields as they chat with Microsoft's Chief Technology Officer, Kevin Scott. Topics in the show include neuroscience, bioscience, and autonomous systems, and they have a number of incredible guests like science fiction author Charles Stross and Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI, and even astronaut Dr. Mae Jemison, the first African-American woman in space who chats with Kevin about their human interstellar flight, the 100-year Starship Project, and experiential education. She talks about achieving one's own level of excellence and explains why exploring an extraordinary tomorrow creates a better today and you might hear a familiar host on the show because uh kevin is also joined by relay fm host christina warren on the behind the tech podcast i love hearing christina i'm a big fan of everything that she does so it's great to hear her on this show Uh, i really like how they focus on understanding how technology kind of affects everyone on the planet and what we should think about uh to make the planet better and they just did a big 2020 review episode recently you know, touching on some of the biggest topics in the world in the, of tech in 2020, that's a, that is a rich world to go into. Uh, so go and listen to it now. Search for Behind the Tech with Kevin Scott wherever you get your podcasts. That's Behind the Tech with Kevin Scott, or just click the link in the show notes. Our thanks to Behind the Tech with Kevin Scott for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So I saw on Twitter, I feel like every time I see you um, talking about Pokemon cards, I feel like I had to bring it up on the show. Because <laughs> I always know it's going to be a story. Um, I've been seeing uh, that there is a there's a Pokemon Happy Meal in the U.S. right now, right? Where you oh, get yeah. cards as uh, the toy. Yep. And so... it seems like it's sold out everywhere. <laughs> you know, actually, yes, at this point. But I had a lot of luck. And uh, let me just say, apologies to my physician for not adhering to the diet that I've been so helpfully prescribed. Uh, I've eaten... My fair share of Happy Meals recently, uh, the wife and I had a lovely Happy Meal lunch on Valentine's Day. It was very romantic. Got to open the cards in the parking lot. I mean, that's not true love. I don't know what is. Okay, you know what you've just described? Like, you've just described a scene in a documentary 
about like <laughs> about like Pokemon card addiction. You know, like, and they're going to reenact it and, and you and your wife are sitting there in the parking lot and she's all sad and you're like, and she's like, but honey, it's Valentine's Day. And you're like, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know. We just got to get through this first. You know? Like, I only have seven more McDonald's cheeseburgers from the Happy Meal to eat. No, no, it wasn't that bad. To be fair, we had a lovely dinner afterward. It was of fine. Course I got flowers. Did. Of course you did. You're a loving husband. A little, no one's down. It was that. a little snack. Mike, it was a little snack, mm-hmm. nothing like a little French fry and nugget. You know, it's fine. It's fine. Totally fine. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. the way that the promotion works, like everything Pokemon related in 2021, is that lots of dudes like me show up and buy all the Pokemon cards at the end. That's how it's worked. Uh, I, however, was not greedy. I will have you know. Uh, some some people were actually going to McDonald's. So essentially the way it worked is the day of the promotion Generally speaking, when it comes to McDonald's and like Happy Meals, you actually can buy the toys separately. So you hmm. just like $2, but you actually don't have to buy the Happy Meal. So some people would go into McDonald's and say, I want all of your Pokemon cards. And some people would just sell them like the box, right? Like the, the case full of like, I don't know, 100 packs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And people would then turn around and take that box that they bought for 200 bucks or whatever and flip it for like $1,000 on eBay. Uh, <laughs> that got shut down pretty quick, as you might imagine. So pretty much every McDonald's in the area has sort of instituted a policy where they will only sell you a Happy Meal or they won't sell you the toy with the Happy Meal, right? Right. But inside the Happy Meal, along with some surprisingly delicious chicken nuggets, which shouldn't be a surprise because it's uh, <clears throat> they're, they're great. They're uh, good. You also get, they're good, they're good. You also get yourself a limited edition 25th anniversary pack of Pokemon cards. Now, inside of each, I actually have like a little like cardboard thing. Uh, there's like different ones where you can get like a little sleeve for your cards. You get like a little deck box, a couple little things. But generally speaking, you get a four card pack, which comes with all of these starters across the generations, right? So there's 25 cards, mm. Pikachu, and basically one of every starter. And so this is actually pretty cool. They're not necessarily new cards. They're all reprints from previous sets, but they all have the 25th anniversary they're, you know, badged like, you know, uh, one, as one of the 25 McDonald's cards. And importantly, they have a unique hollow foil pattern. These cards, it will not surprise you to know, have immediately been posted on eBay and are going for up to like 25 bucks for like the Pikachu hollow, mm-hmm. which is not bad for a Happy Meal toy you get for $3. Obviously, there are different cards. Of a card that is currently available. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. you like can just you can go get in. it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. you could. Uh, Not I think easy. most McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, most McDonald's are sold out at this point. Um, right. I was again. I just gonna let the record state was not greedy. Just ate Happy Meals. Wasn't like I was one of those people who would buy ten Happy Meals and toss them in the trash to steal the cards because that's obviously terrible. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's been a fun fun thing. I know a lot of people were upset because some McDonald's sold out day one, probably because some people were selling the entire boxes. Uh, But I was very lucky and we were able to get cards for almost a full week um, pretty easily, actually. I felt a little weird being like, hey, uh, I need two Happy Meals, please. Uh, Extra spicy sauce. And everyone would be like, excuse me? These are Happy Meals? I was like, yeah. I mean, mean, Mm. yeah, give me the ranch. It's fine. It's not spicy. (laughs) It's not like I'm eating this. It's been, it's been weird, man. It's been weird. <laughs> I don't know well, what to I'm say. I'm really pleased you got more Pokemon cards. I don't think there is much more to say. I kind of just like shining this light on you, really, and seeing how you're going to answer answer yourself, you know? Look, man, 
I, between standing in line at Walmart before they open and fighting with a bunch of people on trying to get Pokemon cards, uh, which happened once and I have not gone back since because I don't want to do that anymore, or going to Happy Meal, McDonald's and getting Happy Meals. Look, I'm not saying that this is a problem in my life because it is not. I will let the record state this is not a problem. Right. This is a a hobby that I enjoy and nothing more seriously. than Seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you of course. Very of course. seriously, very, very yes. seriously enjoy it. Yes. Yes. That's all. Nothing else to it. And um, I look forward to next Valentine's Day where we also <laughs> eat Happy Meals. Um, and I'm sure my wife will be totally happy with it. It's now a tradition. Now a look, tradition. The Happy I give Meal Valentine. We open up Pokemon cards like pretty much every night together, right? It's a whole uh, thing that we do together. It's very lovely and not just because I like opening Pokemon cards. It's an Evans family tradition. Yeah, we'll just keep it up until um, Pokemon cards inevitably are impossible to find, which seems more and more likely every day. A bunch of test drivers listeners sent me uh, a link to a Verge article that the Surface Duo is now available in the UK. £1,349, Austin. Oof. Okay, I actually have to legitimately look this up. When did this phone come out in the US? Because it was a while ago. A long time ago. I will just say, that is $1,875, by the way. Oh! (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Okay, so uh, I did a video on it. Yes, yes, September. Okay. There's so many problems with this. First of all, I will just have uh, have you know that this is the first time I've thought about the Surface Duo in at least four months, right? There's been no hype, no t- discussion, nothing about it. Um, I also forgot that this wasn't a global launch and that this is the first time it's going out. So uh, I guess the real question here, Mike, are you ready to buy yourself a Surface Duo? Are you ready to jump on the the real foldy future? There is no, there is no world in which I'm doing this. Um, <laughs> it's also going to be available in France, Germany, and Canada, and at the same time, they've dropped the price in the U.S. to nine hundred ninety-nine dollars, which actually makes it half wait. the price wait. of what it would cost me to get one. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. It's a thousand U.S. dollars. Yeah, and it is one thousand three hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah, which is nineteen hundred dollars. Uh... Uh, oh, okay. Uh-huh. I'm not really sure about this pricing. I, I don't get it. Like, I know things things are always ex- more expensive outside of the US because we have our taxes. Like the VAT taxes are built into the price. So sure. in some states in the US, it will cost you more than $999 to get this phone right now because you'll pay state tax or whatever on them. Mm. Um, but that's way more than the 20% tax that we pay. Uh, so this happens a lot. Like, Tech, you know, insert technology company here, right? Like it's always more expensive. Like every Apple product is more expensive outside the US over mm-hmm. the tax level because there's also so many other things, economic things going into it, blah, blah, blah. But nearly two times the price for a product that is nearly six months old and was a bit of a flop anyway. <sighs> um, yeah. I don't know. Like, you know, uh, I appreciate that they did it that they have actually launched it outside of America. Like, that's great. I mean, if they ever do another phone, maybe they can find a way to to get it working day in, date for version two, right? Like, I've seen this before. Again, like, 
so many technology companies they focus on one market when it's a new product and then once they feel mm-hmm. like they've got it like and they understand it and they've got the volumes and all that kind of stuff they expand it out to other countries again very very used to this um, but the one-two punch of hey it's available and also we're making it cheaper in america was just really weird to me but it did get me thinking austin yeah uh, i guess this is a two-part question do we think there'll be a surface phone to a, would we want one anyway I very much expect there'll be a Surface Phone 2 just because that's the way Microsoft pretty much always rolls on these things. Like, I feel like Mm -hmm. they probably started working on the Surface Phone 2 a year ago, right? Like, especially because they spent so much time on the R&D for the actual design. I think we'll see a Surface Phone 2 later this year. They'll probably just have like, you know, 5G and, you know, updated specs and like some minor upgrades. But I assume it will be broadly the same. So, yes, I think it'll happen. We still haven't got the Neo. Yeah. Well, that that one, that one, I wouldn't hold my breath on that one. Um, I think we will, I, I want to try a Duo 2. I always want to keep my mind open because the Duo was cool. The problem was it was half-baked at launch and mm. I don't think it has gotten better. They said that there would be monthly software updates, which apparently they delivered on, uh, but they seem to have stopped. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Now, I know that there was a lot of talk about the software team, because I believe that the a lot of the software development for the Surface Duo, as far as the Android side, was actually mm-hmm. outsourced to a company. And I know there was some discussion that I think Microsoft may have purchased that company who was working on it. So sure, I understand that maybe there's some onboarding and they're trying to kind of incorporate them in but it from the outside at the moment doesn't look like the surface duo has a particularly bright future and the fact that they have priced it so wildly out of step around the world compared to the u.s to me further illustrates that i don't want to be mean here but i think there's some disconnect somewhere in microsoft with the actual people who are purchasing this thing and what's actually being like marketed and, and, and talked about. Because, I mean, let's be real. The Surface brand isn't really for you and I. I would no. say that the majority of people who buy Surfaces aren't people at all. They're companies and their IT departments and they're sort of corporately issued. And that's, I guess, like, look, if you're a Fortune 500 company and you buy... 3,000 of these things to give out to your executives and stuff. Cool. Sweet. I'm sure that's going to be a great gift or whatever. But like, It's a legit market, right? Like, you absolutely. Know, there's a lot of money. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of devices. And they're not going to complain about, you know, almost $2,000 for a phone. I mean, they're probably going to mm-hmm. spend that on, like, the service contracts and all that other stuff that they will also sell with it. But, yeah, I don't know, man. I just, I, I was excited for Surface Duo, After trying it, I had sort of hopes and I thought that, okay, well, you know, there's potential here. But the fact that it's been this quiet for this long doesn't fill me with confidence, especially with decisions like this. Yeah, the outsourcing thing is really weird to me. The fact that Microsoft did apparently outsource the development of the software. Um, Well, this was supposed to run Windows. Supposedly. Technically. According to rumors... This was originally going to be running Windows 10X, is the way I understand it. And at some point in the development, they realized, wait a minute, this is dumb. Now, I don't know that for sure, to be super, super clear. But 
that would make sense why they went this route. And then when they decided that it was a real product, that's when they brought the team in. That's the way I understand it from the rumors. Hmm, interesting. Okay, because my, my point is that like Microsoft are a company that make operating systems and they make apps and they make Android apps. So like mm-hmm. they have people that surely inside of the company could have done the work that they needed um, or right. could have hired the engineers to do it. Like outsourcing the operating system development of something which ostensibly seems like a pretty important product just it just seems weird it's just like a weird choice to me but if it was that like they made a last minute change maybe it was easier to get an outside company rather than trying to staff up an internal team if it was the case that they made this decision later in the game than they should have i mean there's certainly a lot of custom work right i mean obviously they're building on android it runs android apps but there was a lot of software development that was required just to get the thing to work well and of course, again, I mean, it doesn't actually work perfectly. I, to be fair, have not used the Duo in a few months. But from the first like patch or two that uh, I saw, it didn't really impact some of the weird bugginess, which is understandable because, I mean, they've very seriously reworked a lot of Android to make it work with the tilty, flippy screens and stuff. I assume that, you know, a future version of Android will likely have a lot of that stuff built in. Obviously, Google have been talking about these. Isn't that, isn't Android 11? I actually think it launched with Android 10 didn't no, it? like I mean, doesn't Android 11 have support Some. for um, multiple screen phones? Yeah, but I don't think anything. I don't think there's any version of Android that supports the level that the Duo has, right? Yeah, so the Duo still does not have Android 11, right? Apparently, it will be coming this summer. Okay, I just found an article on uh, Nine to Five Google saying that Android 12 is going to be getting like app pairs and stuff like that. So, yeah, it seems like there there will be a future version of Android where a lot of this stuff will be built in, and I'm sure that that will make development for products like this one much easier. Uh, they, you know, Android needs to be doing more at the core, I think, to help device makers create these multiple screen products because it seems mm-hmm. to be a thing that's only growing, right? Um, that that it feels like Android yeah. really should be at the forefront along with these companies. And if we're being charitable, I, I could see a scenario in which if I'm Microsoft, I look at it and go, are we going to spend all this time and money developing all these features or are we just going to wait six months or whatever and work alongside with Android and have this sort of upstreamed into Android 11 or Android mm. 12, I guess, at this point and have that come to the Duo? That's reasonable. It just kind of leaves everyone who has purchased the Surface Duo or is about to do so kind of in a little bit of a weird spot where it's like, you got a phone and it works well enough, but you kind of have to wait until a future software update. I just, I always feel weird about like the idea of buying something on a promise that it will get better when it's like, that's a never a guarantee. Yeah, that's not good. You should never do that. So uh, yeah, it's a cool phone. I still think there's potential there, but I don't feel super confident until I see more software support for it. And better hardware that's not, you know, at this point, two years old. I I think that's a tough sell for anyone besides some giant company who's, you know, buying these things by the hundreds or the thousands at the moment. While we're talking about um, new news about stuff we've spoken about in the past. (laughs) So Carl Pei, who is one of the co-founders of uh, OnePlus, left OnePlus not too long ago. um, And he said he was going to be working on something new. 
and he has created a brand called Nothing, which... (laughs) Great brand. Great brand name. (laughs) I get what he's going for with this, and it's got a cool factor to it. I don't think this is a brand name that plays out well in the long run. It sounds cool. This sounds like something like in Minority Report, like the company that like runs the world. It's like, oh, yes, we're reporting into nothing. Like, I I get it. The thing is, for a startup, especially a tech-based startup in the year 2021, I do think you kind of have to have something which is a little bit eye-catching. You can't just call it like Zephyrus Inc. or something. Like, I kind of get that you want to try to draw some attention, especially because mm-hmm. okay. nothing at this point has not really talked about what they do, right? I mean, they've discussed the fact that they are a tech startup. Um, There's been some rumors that they're working on like audio gear and whatnot. I I saw something about home, smart home devices as well. Yeah, yeah, but it's still not really clear exactly what they're doing. And now they have purchased Essential. They own just the brand. That's all that there was to buy. Because I guess this was one of our very early episodes last year where... We had talked about it not too long after Essential had been, I don't know, I guess not liquidated, but like it kind of shut down. So I don't know what was left of Essential that nothing could purchase. Um, Essentially, nothing is the joke that everyone has been bashing on my timeline over and over again. But like, it's like, certainly there's the Essential like brand. So if it's the nothing Essential phone or something. I assume that there's more to it than just purely that name, though. Like, I mean, they had talked about, uh, like, potential phones that they had been working on. Um, They had some, like, accessories. I'm sure they have, like, some IP and some patents. And I'm sure there's stuff there. It does seem like a little bit of an odd choice. But ultimately, they probably bought Essential for essentially nothing. Mm. (laughs) Eh? Eh? It's just, you know, some some names become difficult to talk about. And the name nothing as a... Brand, it just becomes difficult to talk and write about, but it's mm. catching people's eyes because of what it's called, and sometimes isn't that good marketing. Um, and I mean, they've yeah. got a lot of people involved, like a lot of prominent, even the influencers, like Casey Neistat's involved, invested in the company. Um, mm-hmm. clearly, they want to make he's going to make a phone at some point, right? Like, what, of course. <sighs> Right, you yeah. would make a phone at some point, but I actually appreciate that they seem to not be starting there. Actually, it's probably a good idea. I mean, especially mm. when you look at Essential, like look at Essential, right? Like they are uh, the model of getting this stuff wrong, and with a billion right? dollars to start too, yeah. right? <laughs> like that—that that is, you know, you, you want to see how not to do this. That's how not to do this. And there's there's many others, right? What was that? Robin was that one? Yeah, with the blue next and white bit. phone. Mm-hmm. Um, like all of these companies, like it's it's actually just really, 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 really difficult to just start with a smartphone out of nothing. Um, oh gosh, I just said it. See, <laughs> see what I mean? Uh, and so, like that, I can ima- I can see them making like ancillary products for a while, um, and then moving on from there. Obviously, Carl Pay is a person with with great track record, which is why I'm sure he's able to attract a lot of investment and attention. And mm-hmm. then there's something like I saw this today. They're opening a community investment round. So like allowing the community, which I don't understand how that exists for a company that doesn't do anything, but the the nothing community to uh, invest in the company. And they're going to have a elected member of the community sitting on the board. It's very weird to me. 
I just love the TechCrunch article. Want to invest in nothing? Yeah. Carl Payoven's investment opportunity to community. The puns never end. Maybe that's why he did it. Right? Maybe that's why the the company is really named nothing. Just purely for about. this. Yeah. It's it's such a funny headline. Like, who's not going to click on that? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I. It's just hard to talk about this because it's like there's nothing to go on. Mm-hmm. There's, I I I mean, yes, there is certainly potential here. But this is a company that is literally nothing but hype right now, which is yeah. certainly not a bad thing, right? I mean, they're very early. They just formed the company. They just finished, I think, their Series A funding round. They're obviously doing this. But they said they're going to have products available this year, which is a thing that surprises <sighs> me greatly. Uh, maybe. I mean, Carl Pay certainly has uh, a lot of connections in yeah. the manufacturing space from the OnePlus side. It's not crazy to stand up something that's a little bit simpler. Like, I mean, I'd say something like audio gear, if that's like headphones or something like that, certainly possible. Smart devices, I think, is a little bit more difficult. I I don't know. But it's just we're just purely speculating, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. who knows? Was this really just started? Like, did they just hire the team two weeks ago and they're just getting started? There's no way, right? There's no way. There's no way that you could go from... Again, if they are genuinely creating their own products, right? Like that's a thing that they're designing and manufacturing their own product designs. There's no way you could go from zero to from nothing to nothing. There's no way that you could do that, right? Like they they can't go from we have no team and we have no designs to we have products available for sale in 2021. This is not how product development works. But and it means what it probably means, which is, is perfectly fine, that he's been working on this for a bit. Like yeah. before he left OnePlus or whatever, and maybe OnePlus, he you know he kind of indicated he wanted to go, and they were like, "That's fine, but let's wait through the launch of the Nord or whatever, and then you're good to go, right?" Because sure. he was very visible during the Nord's launch, just like being behind it, right? Mm-hmm. And so I could imagine them saying like, "Yeah, you can do this thing, but we need you to stick around until this point in time," and that that Who would knows? make much more sense to me. Instead of like, I've just founded this company. I'm hiring product designers. See you in six months. Like, you, it's, it's just not possible to create quality products in mm. technology in those kinds of lead times. No matter what your manufacturer's yeah. like, like you can white label some headphone yep. out of some factory, but to do much more beyond that, I think would be an incredibly difficult task. So I think it'll be really interesting to keep an eye on. They've mm-hmm. certainly done a great job of attracting a lot of buzz. I mean, look, we're talking about them right now. Congratulations, nothing. You you won. But yep. I, 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 I look forward to it with curiosity. I have very little to speculate on because, uh, well, you got nothing to go on. Okay, They're that's based my last in one. London, my last one. They're based in London. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. It's just interesting. I, I Mike, don't really know why. Is this time why. for some investigative journalism? I could kind of go, go track go them down. Knock on the door. <laughs> is anybody <laughs> See if here? Like, are there engineers inside? Is there anyone there? Because <laughs> I wonder if if that might have partly been done to try and show that he's outside of the umbrella corporation that OnePlus mm. is a part of. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised, right? Like he's going out on his own, creating a new company. I mean, that totally checks out to me. What is the name of that company? That owns like uh, Honor and OnePlus B- and all B-K- that stuff. BBK? It's, it's an acronym. It's, no, it's not. They don't own Honor, do they? Honor was Huawei or was? I Honor was Huawei and then Huawei sold them. Okay. Um, but they have a bunch of companies though, right? Like OnePlus and loads more all under one big 
umbrella. Yeah, it is BBK Electronics, which okay. again, it's always been a little sort of opaque on exactly the ownership structure, but it's pretty clear that OnePlus is largely, if not entirely, owned by BBK, which, like you said, owns like Oppo and a couple of the other brands. I believe it's Realme, I think, is also under their umbrella, okay. I believe. Um, but yeah, I, I certainly think nothing is a standalone company that, as far as we know, is completely uh, detached. And I think you're totally right. Probably a big reason why setting up in London, kind of fresh start, all that kind of stuff. So good luck to Carl Pay and the Nothing team. I look forward to seeing whatever it is that you got. I was about to make another pun, but I didn't. You are all very welcome. So proud of you. I, I appreciate it, Mike. I really appreciate the support. This episode is brought to you by FitBod, the fitness app that provides a personalized exercise plan, a fitness plan to fit you. When it comes to fitness, FitBod believes that everyone can be better. No matter how much you're working out, FitBod will use their algorithms that analyze data and analytics to make sure that you build on your previous workout so your next workout is proven to be better than your last. FitBod has been fine-tuned by certified professional trainers to bring you the best practices of strength training. Your workout program is tailored to suit your own needs. It's tailored to suit your unique body, your experience, your environment, your goals, the equipment that you have, everything. Because it can be hard to know exactly how much you should be doing while training. So FitBod will figure that out for you so you don't have to worry about undertraining or overtraining. And it's going to mix up muscle groups, exercises, sets, reps, and weight over time to help keep you on top form. So you don't have to spend hours researching the best exercises and workout strategies to get results. If you're working out at home, FitBod has a bunch of body weight only workouts. They're great for indoors or outdoors. But if you have access to gym equipment, they have tons of workout options for you there too. No matter what it is you want to do, FitBod has the exercise plan for you. I really love that this uh, app is not only available on Android and iOS, it's also on my uh, Apple Watch. So when I'm working out my Apple Watch on uh, I can see what exercises I've got up next. I can change the reps on them if I want to. And it's easier to kind of go through the whole kind of workout plan that it gives me by just checking what's on my wrist. And also while my Apple Watch is tracking my activity, it's great. FitBud is available on iOS and Android, and you can get started right now by going to fitbud.me slash testdrivers, and you'll get 25% off your membership if you sign up there. So that's fitbud.me slash testdrivers to try it out for free, and then get 25% off your FitBud membership. Our thanks to FitBud for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right. I know we keep talking about this, but I need to talk to you about the progress of my PC build. Okay. Because I'm start, I love my Razer laptop. It's done a great job for me, but Austin is struggling. It's a bit I mean, of a struggle bus right now. You're you're asking that little guy to do a whole doing a lot. lot. It's doing a lot, you know, multiple webcams and all this stuff. Uh, but I'm like dropping frames big time when I'm streaming now. Ooh, uh, okay, and people yeah. people keep referring to my streams as PowerPoint presentations, which you know like oh, it hurts. No. My, it hurts my feelings, Austin. You know that's not good. And uh, it's not all. The, and see, the thing that's most annoying is it's not all the time, right? If it was all the time, then it's like, okay, maybe there's some steps I can take. But it happens randomly, right? Like mm. some days when I stream, no issue. But some days when I stream, it is horrible. And you, I'm sure you've been there. One of the worst things that you can do when you're Twitch streaming is have to restart your stream. Oh, yeah. Because yep. people drop off, they don't come back. And it's also just super embarrassing. 
Uh, mm-hmm. uh, oh, I'm going to restart the stream, guys. I'll uh, <laughs> be back later. Like, I hate doing it. So I'm thinking maybe, because the other thing, it, it doesn't look like we're getting out of lockdown anytime soon, honestly. And right. so whilst I'd initially decided I would build this for uh, my studio, it doesn't really seem like that is uh, happening anytime soon. So I'm thinking I want to move up my time frame a little bit and okay. actually just start like putting in the orders for all the parts. And then as soon as they arrive, put this thing together rather than doing what I was doing, which is kind of just like slowly stringing it along. Um, you remember with the stuff that I bought, I'm still waiting on my Noctua fan. Okay. I don't know when that thing is going to arrive. Like the, the company that I've ordered it from seemed to be super back ordered with it. I just keep getting emails from them and they're like, maybe soon. Right. They just keep bumping mm. along the date without yeah. really any uh, update. So I might, I might try and see if I can find uh, another, uh, another kind of lead on that, but we'll see. But I need to, there's so many things that I need to settle on. Okay, let's dive in because I know that there's a lot of, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of different options and we've talked about this before. So actually, one of the first things I want to start with, let's just knock out some of the easier components. Okay. So for memory, so you're looking for 64 gigs of RAM? Is that so the I, plan? So what I, I went into our document and I laid out a few things um, and just put just put them in there, right? And so mm-hmm. to try and show you, hey, these are some of the parts that I'm thinking of. Tell me if I'm if I'm doing something stupid. Uh, yeah. I just picked 64. Okay, it's what I have in my iMac. Uh, I don't know okay. how much RAM I really need in a streaming PC. I will say you don't need 64. Okay. It's a nice to have thing. Right. I think, I mean, you could probably be fine with 16. I would say 32 is probably the sweet spot, especially considering price. So I know you had picked out the Corsair Vengeance RGB Pro, the white, which I think looks great. If I were you, I would just drop that from 64 to 32 gigs of RAM. Nice. And then make sure you get at least the 3,600 megahertz uh, speed, right? That's really kind of the sweet spot for Ryzen, specifically your Ryzen 9. But I think that that's going to look exactly the same, and it should go well inside your white O11 Mini. Yeah, see, I wanted the white because I have the white. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the 32 gigabyte, 3600 megahertz. Okay. See, because it was just, I really wasn't sure how much RAM to to go with, really. Um, so I just kind of picked a number. You I know mean, what? look, <laughs> I, wasn't, it's, I was like, ah, how much? I, it's difficult. Like, RAM is, yeah. is, I think, becoming, and it's continuing to become like a more and more difficult thing to try and guess on. Yeah. I mean, look. It's never going to hurt you to have more. The only place it hurts you is your wallet. But huh. I would say for streaming and for everything it sounds like you're going to be doing with this thing, 32 should be plenty. And importantly, you can still get it in the four dims. So you'll be able to completely fill out your board. You'll get the RGB lighting. It'll look nice and uniform. I think that's the move. Okay. Next up for storage, I would recommend the 980 Pro, the Samsung okay. 980 Pro. And that's uh, the little uh, NVMe. M2. Uh, a uh, little thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you don't have to deal with any hard drives, SSDs, whatever. This is all just, it's going to slot right into your board. Super, super simple. The 980 Pro was definitely my favorite SSD at the moment. Uh, a little pricey as Samsung drives tend to be, but I would say that you're getting a lot of speed and reliability for that uh, added price. Uh, the only slight downside, and it's not even a really huge downside for you, I don't believe, is that at the moment, they only sell the one terabyte 980 Pro 
I believe there's a two terabyte that's going to be coming at some point. Um, I don't want more than one terabyte. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to need it on this machine, honestly. Okay, perfect. So then, yeah, that should be great. Super, super fast. Samsung drives have been very reliable. I use it in my personal system. We've used it in lots of builds in the future, in the, the past and in the future. Yeah, 9 Pro seems like a no-brainer. Like, what you just said is that like that look on your life. We use it in many builds in the future because it's like you've <laughs> built them and their videos and they're not out yet. So it's like <laughs> we have built them in the future. <laughs> it doesn't help that as I'm recording a podcast, I'm staring at a build that will not go live for at least another month and it definitely has... <laughs> <laughs> a 980 Pro in it. So I'm trying to be careful with my words right now, but I'm staring at it and it's very hard to focus. So yes, mm-hmm. we have, can, will do in the future. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so for the cooling, so I know we had talked about that D15, which I yeah. do think is the the solid move. There are other options if you can't find it. Is there anything else? Like if, if so let's hit, here it is, right? So this thing is yeah. saying it's going to be uh, in stock with the company that I bought it from on February 26th, right? Oh, but, okay. Yeah, but they've already, that's the second time they've had a date. So, okay. If they don't get it and I can't find this one, which is the Noctua NHD 15, is there anything else that you would recommend as a, re- like a replacement for this CPU cooler? So, I generally, for air cooling, like to stick with Noctua, at least okay. if you're going anywhere above, above like, uh, like there's a, the Cooler Master Hyper 212, which has been, I mean, that was a cooler I used on, like, one of my first builds, like, eight or nine years ago, right? Like, it's, it's affordable. It's fine, and it would work, but it's a little bit on the lower end. I like to go for Noctua coolers above that, typically speaking. There is the Noctua, it's the NHU12S. Um, it is a little bit of a step below the D15. It should be fine. I would say it's maybe a little bit underpowered for your system. And by underpowered, I mean that in a very, very minor way of like, mm-hmm. it would probably be fine. Um, it is certainly cheaper. I think it's a uh, 30 bucks cheaper or so- something like that. So mm-hmm. I would say the U12S is a decent backup. The only problem is, I could be wrong. I don't believe it comes in the same black as the D15 does. No, I think it comes in that super, super weird, I don't understand why they do it, cream and brown. Mm-hmm. Which is, is the that? Noctua. That's the Noctua classic, right? Every Noctua fan ever was like that up until fairly recently when they started doing black fans. Or I guess full black coolers. Why did they, why did they choose those two colors? Mike, look, I know, I know it might not be pretty, and I know you're not going to like it, but... It is, uh, like, look, if anyone sees that colorway, they're going to immediately know you got Noctua, right? There's no question that is a very distinctive Noctua color. So they may make a black version of this cooler. If they do, I have not seen it. So that would be an option. Um, Mm -hmm. But if you care about the aesthetics, you might want to wait for the D15, realistically. Um, Yeah. uh, You could always swap it out. You could always use, like, a... Uh, a cheaper, like, something like that Hyper 212 for a couple months or something until you get yourself the D15. But if you think the D15 is coming in the foreseeable future, it might be worth holding out for or trying what to order it somewhere the, else. Um, D15S? So the S is actually, I think the S is, well, it doesn't come with a Chromax. Uh, I actually found don't know one the difference. Chromax Black. The oh, they do. Not to an HD15S Chromax Black Premium Dual Tower CPU cooler. I've actually not used the S. I've only used the standard 15 variant, so I don't know that off the top of my head. Okay. Um, 
I would assume does it come with the second fan? I don't know. I I, I can get back to you on that. Oh oh, mm. it's the uh, it's the offset version. So it's essentially the same cooler, except it is offset for your RAM, which actually might be helpful for your system if you're going with the RGB Pro. Let me actually look and get back to you on the exact size and whether or not that will work. That actually may end up working better. It looks a little bit weird, but essentially has a little cutout so that on one side, you have more space for the memory. So that might be better, but yeah, let me, let me check on that. But regardless, if you can get that, that might be a faster way of getting your system well, up and running. I do realize that I've done one of the classic things that I do. Uh, the pre-order that I have made is for the S, <laughs> so I oh. <laughs> I did not pre-order what you told me to pre-order. I pre-ordered okay. the NHD 15S rather than the NHD 15 because I mean they to somebody who doesn't know what they're buying, they just look like they're the same thing, right? Uh, I don't like just adding an S to it is 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 an interesting thing to do. So I mean I probably should cancel that order anyway because uh, it's it might not be what I want, but Amazon can ship it to me this week. Let me double check. You may have accidentally made the correct call because if you do go with the Corsair memory, it would be close. That's not the tallest memory out there, but with the RGB strip on the top, it actually gets a little bit tall. Right. So you may have accidentally made the correct decision on that one. To go with the S? Yes, yes. Okay. So cool. again, let me double check. Let me double check the exact tolerance, but I believe the S may work better for you. Well, that's good news. <laughs> so for the rest of your system, um, here's a question for you. How much RGB do you want? Are you thinking like you want, because right now you have no case fans, right? You've just got Correct. the CPU cooler and your GPU. Mm-hmm. So obviously we don't have to worry about like a radiator or anything like that. But uh, I would say it would make sense to get at least a couple fans. So inside the O11 Mini, you actually have a lot of different configurations. So you can fit up to two 140mm fans on the, like on the inside, like kind of up for the back, um, right beside your motherboard. You can do a 120 in the back or in the exhaust spot, like right on the actual back of the chassis. You can do, I believe, two or three 120s in the top and I believe three 120s on the bottom. So Small there's a fans. lot of different configurations. Small yeah, fans. this thing could take off. I, I, <laughs> I don't think you need one, two, three, like six fans or how, however many will actually fit inside. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess the question is, uh, are you wanting to go full RGB town on those fans or do you want something that is, you know, a little bit simpler? Because mm. I can tell you, the Corsair LL120s and the LL140s are the gold standard when it comes to not only the RGB software and the looks, but also the performance. We've used these in many, many systems in the past. Again, I am looking at an O11 Mini with four of these fans inside it at, as we speak. I um, so I why say, not? I don't have to turn it on, right? No, you don't. And you can set it to be white. And the yeah. nice thing about the LLs is that they actually have like, I think it's like eight zones or something. Okay. So you can actually have like a uh, little different chases and stuff on the inside and around it. Um, you can have them animate like in a circle and stuff. Like there's oh, different like things it. you can do. And if I'm getting Corsair RAM, I would assume I can sync them up, right? Yes. And honestly, the Corsair RGB software is, I mean, look, all the RGB software sucks and is terrible but uh <laughs> iq from corsair is the least terrible of them all and trust me when i say if you're doing rgb stuff 
try to keep it simple because nothing sucks more than like five different apps on your PC that are all running different yeah. RGB stuff. Like it gets messy very quickly. So the LLs are great. Mike, the only problem with the LLs, take uh-huh. a look, just uh, search up the price of a uh, three pack of LL 120 fans. Just, just take a little luck. Yeah. Okay. I mean, $130 seem, does seem like a lot. <laughs> yes. Uh, for three fans. Uh, yeah, so that's the problem. The LLs are, I would say, uh, bordering on egregiously expensive. Right. Um, they're good fans, right? Uh, but you can certainly get a non-RGB fan, which is going to do the exact same job on cooling and not look as good for maybe a third the price. So it's up to you. We use what a lot of the LLs. What size do I want in the LL120s? Or do I want the 120 or 140? So it depends. Um, if you get the three-pack of the 120s, um, mm-hmm. you could do, say, like, Two on the like the side, like kind of right to the right of the motherboard, and one is like an exhaust in the back or something. You can kind of uh, play around with it. Okay. Uh, the thing is, the LL 140s come in a two pack, and the LL 130, uh, the LL 120s come in a three pack. So okay. it depends. The 140s do fit and they look nice, but the problem is then you would only have just the two fans. Okay. So in that scenario, you maybe do like two LL 140s, one LL 120. We can talk offline about the exact fan configuration, but. If you're down to spend a little money on the RGB, they're nice fans. They're just expensive, and uh, as with all this RGB stuff, it's a little bit extra work on the cable management side, especially yeah. around back. The O11 has a lot of space, though. The, even the Mini it has a lot of space in the back, but there are some additional things that you may want to consider as far as like kind of running all the cables and, and whatnot. But yeah, I'd say that's a good start to get at least two or three fans in the, uh, in the system, keep some airflow going, and you'll have whatever RGB or... Honestly, you can just throw them white if you want, but you, you'll have some options. And there, are, there all are also other versions that we can talk about as well. It, it gets really complicated because you can do just like a white Corsair fan, but mm-hmm. they're not the LLs. You don't have the same sort of options. So I would maybe give a little thought to how much you care about that RGB because obviously this is endlessly customizable along with your RAM and some of the other components in the system. You can get like an RGB strip. There, there, there's a lot of stuff. But when it comes mm-hmm. to aesthetics, that's very much a subjective thing of what you think actually looks nice. So we need to talk about the motherboard, right? Yeah. Okay. So after the last episode, uh, I think it clearly makes sense to go for a full ATX chassis, right? There's no real reason not yep. to, or sorry, an ATX board inside the O11 Mini. It mm-hmm. will fit. You're not going to be loading a bunch of stuff on the bottom. There are a couple of options. So I would generally recommend the ROG Strix, the X570E. Um, it's a solid board. It will work well. I generally do like Asus boards, like, if everything else is equal, I like how much sort of support Asus typically give to their boards. They generally have a lot of BIOS updates. The only problem with the Strix, I will say, it's very gamery. It's very gamery, man. Uh, yeah. I, and I'm not saying I'm not into it, like, because it's more modern gamery, where it's just a lot mm-hmm. of black and there's some color. Right, so it's not too bad. Like you know, I've, it, it, this is a little bit more of the, the maybe gamer aesthetic 2.0, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it mm-hmm. is, it's aggressive. The all of the ROG <laughs> stuff is aggressive looking to me. Yes, and I mean to be fair, that is RGB, so you could turn it off, turn it white, whatever. But yeah, I will right. definitely say, maybe not the right looking board for your system. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you had talked about wanting Thunderbolt. Yeah, this is okay. This is something I put in our notes. So here's the, let me let's pause the motherboard discussion. Yeah, yeah. So I talk about another issue that I have, which is the monitor. Okay. So 
I have two ideal things that I'm looking for of a monitor. Um, I don't have to have them both, I don't think, but that, this would be my ideal. I want a stand that doesn't take up a lot of space and is adjustable. Okay. And I have an LG monitor that I love. It's called the LG Ergo. Oh, yeah, yeah. They don't make, I can't get this anymore. I think LG has actually stopped making it. Um, I have a 13.1-inch mm. ultrafine version of it. I have that in my studio, and I think it's great. What I like about it the most is it has doesn't have a traditional stand. The stand, you basically clamp onto the desk, on the band end of your desk, and then you can move it around. It's got a lot of adjustability. So mm. I was looking around on LG's website, and they now do a 27-inch version called Ultra Gear, and it's 144 hertz IPS panel. So they've taken the stand technology and put it on a gaming monitor. But there's some differences. So the 31-inch ultrafine version can be run over USB-C. Oh, the Ultra Gear doesn't, huh? The Ultra Gear does not. The Ultra oh, Gear has to run over yeah. DisplayPort, um, mm -hmm. which is very frustrating to me. Uh, and I expect it's for whatever reason need the throughput to get the 144, whatever. But what yeah. I liked about the ultra fine version is I could run my Mac from it, right? As well, because I just got to plug in a USB C cable. Um, so, and it, as well as having the USB C cable, it also has a uh, DisplayPort cable on that monitor, so I could choose. Mm -hmm. So, if I'm going to be building this thing at home, I have limited space and the place where I have all of my streaming gear and where I'll keep my PC is also where I do where where I work from all day basically. Yeah. Um it, I have a different I have two desks in my home office. One I have that's purely a much smaller desk just for recording which is what I'm speaking to you on now and I have all of my editing gear because I have different gear like I have like a Wacom tablet and stuff like that. It takes up the whole desk to do mm -hmm. audio recording and editing. And then I have my other desk, which has got my laptop on it, keyboard, or like my fancy keyboards, of course, and all that kind of stuff. Now, I could imagine having one monitor on that desk and then just docking the laptop and plugging it in, right? Yeah, yeah. But And I have a Thunderbolt dock that I use. And I'm just trying to work out the mm. way in which I can try and get one monitor that can work for both the PC and the laptop. And I'm fine with doing cable switching, right? Because yeah. it would only be a couple of times a week when I'm streaming where I need to just fiddle about with cables for a couple of minutes. But trying to work out the right kind of setup of what do I mm. need for a monitor that can work on both is complicated. And I know it would be easier if my PC could power a monitor of a Thunderbolt, right? Because I know that it all works with Thunderbolt with the laptop and the dock that I have. But right. it seems like trying to find both a monitor that will work <laughs> and getting a motherboard seems complicated. Yeah. So especially if you want a gaming monitor too with high refresh rate, it adds a whole other thing. So what I'm wondering though, right, is my the dock that I use, I use a dock by a company called Cowdigit. Oh yeah, I uh yeah yeah I use one of those as well at uh, on my setup. The TS3. Yeah, yep, yep. We probably have the same one. Yep. So the TS3 has a DisplayPort 1.2 port on it. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, 
because I, I don't I don't know the answer to this. I don't know if you would know the answer to this. Could I use but basically get a monitor that's powered by DisplayPort mm-hmm. and plug the monitor into my dock and get it to output my Mac monitor to that monitor instead? Yes. So okay. there's actually a fairly straightforward way I think we could do this. So cool. first of all, that Ultra Gear, the the 31 or the 27, I think they both have not only DisplayPort but also HDMI, right? So the way I would do it is this. I would take your gaming PC, plug mm-hmm. it directly into DisplayPort, leave it, don't touch it, right? Then I would take out of your CalDigit, actually I would take an HDMI. I believe it has an HDMI on the on the back. It now I to be fair, it's not only going to probably support 60 hertz it might support higher but i think it's only going to support 60 hertz the um, cal digit does not have hdmi it has dis- oh, it digital optical and display port 1.2 okay so then what i would do is i would get a display port to hdmi adapter mm-hmm. um but theoretically if you plug that in then you could run that to one of the hdmi ports on the monitor and that way you never have to plug or unplug anything you can use just, just a little yeah thing. And I will say out of all the monitors that we use, LG has the least terrible OSD. So it's actually fairly quick to just sort of like tap, scroll over. You can switch fairly quickly. That's probably going to be the simplest way because there are motherboards that support Thunderbolt, even on the AMD side. Um, But the problem is, is that it gets a lot more expensive. Uh, Mind you, I mean, I know that you had pulled up the, uh, what are the, the ASRock, the creator board, Mm -hmm. which looks great, right? It is a very, very nice looking board. However, the downside there is just expensive. And on top of that, you also then have to spend extra money on, I believe, actually, I have to check. Does this board actually come? I think you have to buy the Thunderbolt separately, no? Let me see here. I So what I'll say is the, the, the path that you've suggested... Mm-hmm. I think I'm. I think this works for me. I was on like because my I did have a concern in getting a Thunderbolt uh, board. I just figured because Thunderbolt also brings over its own set of really annoying complications. <laughs> so like, th- yeah. it's a good. What I I could just use the two inputs on mm-hmm. this monitor to affect in that way. So I could have yes. one input which is from one and one input which is from the other. So I could go like display port to display port for the PC and display port to HDMI. Could I go Yes. What with display port to HDMI? Can you do Thunderbolt to HDMI? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So actually, mm. so for the setup at uh the office here, what I use is we have uh, an LG OLED on the wall, right? And that's what we use to, yep. you know, like screen videos and stuff. So what I do is when I'm using my MacBook, I will plug in, I have a USB-C to HDMI 2.0 adapter, and that is uh, on a very long HDMI cable to the TV. So I will just plug that directly into the MacBook and it powers it no problem. So yeah, that's certainly an option if you want to go essentially USB-C to HDMI. Mind you, you have to make sure it's 2.0 to get the full bandwidth out of like a 4K TV. Um, you could probably get away with a cheaper adapter for the Ultra Gear if you're running it at 60, mm-hmm. although you would probably want to double check. But regardless, that is certainly possible. Okay. So, now that we've solved the monitor part, pretty much, I like this LG monitor. I'm going to see if I can try and get this one. Um, yeah. But ultimately, it has, now that we solved the connection issues from which machine to which machine it reopens back up the motherboard being anything basically because i don't need it to have something specific yes because 
that creator board, I looked, actually does have the Thunderbolt built in. I know some of the Azrock boards, I believe, have like a, a header. Mm-hmm. And I think Asus also sells like some like add-in card to give you Thunderbolt. Like there are different ways of doing it. I would just personally say it's probably not worth the expense and the hassle, especially if you're not going to be using it for anything more than just connecting it to a monitor. Yeah. Um, so I think it's going to really come down to, for the third episode running, finding the motherboard that uh, looks <laughs> best for the system. <laughs> because there are a lot of boards. Like, honestly, at this point, like you said, there's pretty much all the boards in the world that will work in your system. It's a matter of finding one that you like the look of. And I think it sounds like we're going to want to look for a white x570 or possibly b550 board but probably x570 so um let me go back to the mines and keep looking for uh for some white motherboards for you mike i don't think it needs to be white i'm fine with black because oh, really? like the noctua fan's gonna be black true i mean black and white always go well together yeah i'm totally fine with a black motherboard okay all right let me find something that does not look as gamery and is either black or white that will work for your system. But we're okay. close, man. We're close. I'm going to get everything else we've spoken about. Okay. Right? So, like, we've I've got a big shopping list here now. So, I'm going to go away, and I'm going to secure all of these things. <laughs> and then... Let me double check. Let me double check that your RAM will fit with your cooler. That is the only thing I am 95% sure. Let me double check before you pull the trigger on both of those. But, yes, so everything else sounds great. Let me just say one thing. So, I had uh, been using PC Part Picker. For this, yeah, and the Noctua NHD15 was giving me an error for the case size, mm-hmm. but the D15S is not. Interesting. Uh, let me also check on that. That should be fine. Mm-hmm. I would be surprised. Actually, I mean, realistically, I think both should fit in O11 Mini as far mm-hmm. as height wise. The yeah, l- let me just double check for you. But if PC yep. Part Breaker says it's okay, it's probably going to be fine. Nearly there, man. (laughs) No kidding. This episode is brought to you by Pinkdom. Do you have a website? Does your website have shopping cart, registration forms, contact us pages? If you'd answered yes to any of these questions, you need Pinkdom because nobody wants their critical website stuff to fail. This means a bad experience for your users. It could mean lost business for you. The good news is you can set up transaction monitoring with Pingdom. Transaction monitoring alerts you when anything fails on your website, whether it's a form, a login page, no matter what, before it affects your customers and your business. Pingdom can let you know the moment there are any problems in whatever way is best for you. You can customize how you're alerted and who is alerted depending on the outage severity so the right person can get there to fix the problem. Pingdom cares about your users having the best website experience possible. And if disaster strikes, you're going to be the first to know. So easy to get started. Just go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM. You can go there right now and get a 30-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code TESTDRIVERS at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. A thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and RelayFM. So you've... Uh... You switched to something again. It's been a while for you. Has it? Oh, yeah. It's been like a week? A solid three or four days at least at this point. What was the last phone that you... I mean, I guess the Samsung phones, right, were the last ones that you seriously checked out before. Yeah. So basically, since we started the show, it has been Z Flip, Z Flip, Z Flip, Z Flip 5G, Z Flip 5G, uh, a couple weeks, and the Pixel 5, back to Z Flip. And then 
back to back, I went from Z Flip, I went to the S21. Mm-hmm. And then I have moved on to the Sony Xperia 5 Mark II. Okay. okay. This is a weird yeah. one. It is. Okay, so for some backstory, this is a phone that came out actually late last year. I think it was like September or October or something. And it was a phone that immediately drew my attention because Sony have always made smartphones pretty much since the beginning of smartphones, back to the Sony Ericsson days. But I wouldn't go as far to say they're particularly popular, but they still have some cool stuff. And when the Xperia 5 Mark II came out, it sort of piqued my interest for a couple of reasons. First of all, it is a very different form factor. No, it is not a flippy boy, but it is a 21 by 9 aspect ratio, which essentially means it is very tall and very narrow. Now, that's saying that in context with most phones. I actually think the Z Flip Mm -hmm. may be even slightly taller when you unfold it. But regardless, for a sort of slab flat phone, it is a unique form factor. So for context, even though it's got like a 6.1-inch display, it's actually narrower than the Pixel 5, which I thought was a Mm -hmm. super comfy size, right? So a little tall, a little hard to kind of reach the very top when you're using it in one hand. But importantly for me, it's easy to do one-hand typing, and that's always kind of like my main sort of thought. I'd rather have like a taller vertical display to, you know, see more of Twitter or whatever at the same time, but also have a narrow device where I can type. So two big thumbs up for that. Okay. There's some other stuff that's great about this phone. Um, 120 hertz, uh, 1080p equivalent, so it's actually a tall 1080p, but 120 hertz, it's a Sony, or it's, it's, it's a, I don't know if it's a completely unique display to Sony. I think it's like one of the subsidiaries makes it or something, but it's OLED, uh, it's got like the 240 hertz like touch response, and it also has like a creator mode built in, which essentially just is like a, I don't know if it's fully calibrated, I actually didn't run any tests on it, but a very nice looking display, HDR, all that kind of stuff. Obviously, as a phone made by Sony, it's great for watching like movies and stuff that are, are widescreen, right? Uh, it's also got dual stereo speakers. And Mike, about to blow your mind right now. This is a phone that has a headphone jack. Mm-hmm. So, a question for you on that. Um, yeah, why would they put it in there? Do you think? <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying it's bad, but like it's it's not the norm anymore. Did, did they put it in there for sp- any specific reason, or did they put it in there because? It will make people happy. So with the headphone jack, I think it comes down to Sony trying to be different. Same actually reason I think why they do the 21 by 9 aspect ratio display. Because if you look at the rest of this phone, um, generic is certainly the word. So it is made, I mean, if you look at like the spec sheet, right? It's glass, metal, gorilla glass. Like It sounds just like every other smartphone. Mm-hmm. The feel in the hand, though, I would say is utilitarian. It doesn't have any design flair whatsoever. It is a generic black slab that really the only thing that is unique about the visual side of it, or even the feel really, is just the fact that it is a slightly different form factor, right? Okay. So it does have some extra buttons, which is nice. So it has a side-mounted fingerprint sensor, just like Z Flip. Big thumbs up on that. Although, as someone who just came from the S21, I was actually surprised to feel that the S21 actually felt slightly faster or roughly on par with its in-display fingerprint sensor. And especially compared to the Z Flip, the Xperia felt maybe a very, very slight bit slower on the unlocking, which is unusual for a physical button for me. It's a physical button one. It's not like one of the integrated ones or anything. It is. So it's on the it's on the power button, right? So okay. it's side-mounted. Yeah, so exactly like the Z Flip, I would say just a hair slower, um, which, as we'll get into later, 
little bit of a trend for the Xperia and being a tiny step behind. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a very safe design. It does have some cool physical buttons, though. So in addition to that, you have a, well, it's, it's a Google Assistant button. So I don't really know if that's the coolest thing in the world. But you also have a physical shutter button. So just like a traditional Sony camera, it's actually a two-stage. So you can kind of half press to focus and fully press it down. Uh, actually really nice, right? Okay. And there's, okay. I'm trying to be very unbiased here. It's, I have two very different minds about this phone, right? Because my experience with it has been good and also infuriating, okay? Do you want the good or do you want the bad first? Because I've got a lot of thoughts, man. I got a lot of thoughts with my time on this phone. I want the good first. Okay, there's a lot of good. There's a lot of good, right? So that screen's good. Audio is good. Uh, it's got good battery life. So I believe it's a 4,000 milliamp hour battery. So similar to what you have on the S21. Never had a problem with it running out in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, the stock Android build. Okay, so let me talk about this for a little bit. Because I think it's easy for you to say stock Android. And everyone's like, oh, I know exactly what that is. But do you really? Because... I think when most people think stock Android, they think OnePlus, or they especially think Pixel. But that's not stock Android. Those are both launchers and skins, and things have been added, right? Mm -hmm. If you use stock Android, like stock, stock Android, um, you'll realize that some things are are missing. And certainly on the Xperia, some things are a little bit (sighs) unoptimized. I guess would be the way I I would describe. So, okay, let me describe the camera setup, right? There are not one, not two, but three camera apps on the Xperia 5 Mark II. Now, one of the flashy cool features is that there's a photo pro and a video pro mode, right? So if you've seen like some people, like like Marquez, I think did a video on this. It's also shared with the Xperia 1, which is the slightly bigger version of this. But it's like, it looks pretty much straight out of their Sony Alpha line of cameras, which we're very familiar with. We shoot with them all the time, right? So you have on the left side of the camera, you have like your viewfinder window, but then you have all your settings on the right. And when I say all your settings, I mean like, you're changing white balance, you're changing exposure mode, you can flip between your different lenses. Very, very cool feature, right? And the video mode, I would say, is a lot more niche, but even cooler in the fact that you have, like, the same, supposedly, same color science as, like, their Venice line of cameras, which are, I think, what, 10 grand or whatever? Very expensive cameras, right? Full manual control. You can customize everything you want. You can do, like, focus racking. I mean, this is all stuff that a professional would love to use on a camera. How right? do you feel using, like, do you, would you care? Like, you know how to use a camera. Yeah. Is this something you want? <laughs> so I am very happy this is an option, but it doesn't actually work the way that I want my phone to work. So okay. to better understand this, let me describe the third camera app, which is the stock app. Okay, so this is just the the generic camera app that also exists alongside, right? So the idea Mm -hmm. is like you go into the pro modes when you want, you go into the standard app when you don't. Makes sense. That's the way that, I mean, to be fair, most cameras actually have these pro modes built in, but I get it because they're very different interfaces. Fine, fine. The problem with the stock app is that it's not very good. So here's something that it doesn't have, or at least that I couldn't find, unless it was buried in some menu, but I I don't think so. Uh, There's no standard portrait mode on this camera. There is a selfie portrait mode, but you can't take like a 
standard traditional portrait mode photo across any of these camera apps. Now, again, I will preface that maybe there was something missing, but I definitely went looking and couldn't find it, so not a great sign. This also doesn't have any kind of night mode. Now, sure, if you'd like, you can go into the Pro app and crank the shutter speed down and hold it very still, but I think it fundamentally misses what a smartphone camera should do. Because look, I love having these Pro options, but the thing is, I feel like Sony just added the Pro options and left it there. And they missed out on a lot of these very important features that like, look, I know that when I pull out a Z Flip or I pull out an iPhone or I pull out a Pixel, I point the camera, I hit the button, it already knows it's already in night mode. I didn't have to go flip to it. It already knows not just to take one long exposure, but to take multiple stills, stitch them together to bring out the best of an it's image. It's working right? with you. Yes. And the thing is, look, I don't care if you're the world's greatest pro photographer, there's still certain features that you cannot turn on, replicate, and get set up in a split second, right? Mm. Even if you have all the time in the world, you can't necessarily get that same level of image quality, right? So, okay, using the pro mode, for example, it feels, now this is just my opinion. I don't actually know that this is true, but it looks to me like they're not taking advantage of a lot of the computational photography that is so prevalent, right? There may be just some stuff in the background, but the way it really seems like is you're just taking a single still, the end, right? Some of these stills are decent, but you don't have like some of the actual just image quality things that you expect out of like the crazy HDR modes that like Samsung and Apple and Google have, right? It's like you just took a still. Boom. It's just like a Sony camera. You take one still. You obviously could take multiple and you can stitch them together in Photoshop and you can take raw. You can do all this stuff. But like, is someone going to spend 30 minutes post-processing a photo and taking a bunch of options and stitching it together? Or are they going to take their iPhone out, touch one button, and literally a quarter of a second later, they have a beautiful photo, Right. That's where I feel like there's a little bit of a disconnect between a cool-to-have pro mode and the fact that they don't really have other stuff to back it up. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Like, it's nice to have all the granularity. Yeah. But it would be nice to have that plus it works with all of the computational photography stuff that we're getting used to. Like, I haven't used Apple's Pro Raw thing but that's like one of the things that they tell is like you get the flexibility of raw but you're also still being able to do all of the things that a phone camera can do as well yes whereas here you can take a raw photo and then you have to go edit it but like with the iphone you take it you have a beautiful looking image straight out of the box and you can go in then and edit it and essentially do a lot of what you could do on the sony pro app right obviously different schools of thought I think I was sort of disappointed by this as just like the standard camera app just needed a little bit more polish, a little bit more sort of there so that I can use it as a standard camera app. I can take a night mode. I can do it and kind of shoot everything. But the thing is the camera app is so basic. It's almost like they just threw that on because they realized that they needed to have like some easy to understand mode. But I wasn't happy really with almost any of the images I got out of it. It has three cameras, ultra wide, a wide and a 3X telephoto. Uh, the telephotos actually was the only one that I actually was fairly happy with because the images were fine and decent from both the camera app as well as the pro app, but without actually going in and spending a lot of time editing it, which let's be real, if I'm snapping a quick shot on my phone, I'm not really ready to jump into Photoshop for 30 minutes and try to tweak it or Lightroom or whatever. So yeah. there's that, right? But this is kind of where some of the other things started to, to show, right? So this phone is missing some pretty basic features, right? So it doesn't have 5G. 
sort of. It actually does have 5G. It has Snapdragon 865, like the, the Z Flip 5G and a lot of the other 2020 flagships. Uh, but it doesn't support any US bands of 5G. So obviously that depends on where you are. Mm. But certainly for me, uh, not a big deal, but uh, not a great sign for a phone. Uh, it also doesn't have wireless charging, which is baffling to me because it has a glass back. And uh, have I mentioned, Mike, that this co- phone costs 950 US dollars? Like $250 more than the S21 that I just came from? But this is... I don't understand Sony's. I don't. Maybe we're yeah. jumping ahead here, but like, <laughs> nope, nope. That's that's it. That's the conclusion. <laughs> I don't think I understand Sony's whole deal when it comes <sighs> to phone making. Yeah. So, look. I mean, Sony. Uh, in back in the Sony Ericsson days, I mean, they were sort of the preeminent flagship company in a lot of ways, right? I mean, before flagships were really even a thing. Sony yeah. made some great phones and some great early smartphones, right? The thing is, Sony is similar to Samsung in a lot of ways. Massive company, lots of different ways they can tie it in. To be fair, I will say that they don't load it up with as much bloatware as, and whatnot as Samsung does. There's not two copies of every app. I mean, there was Call of Duty Mobile and PlayStation and a couple things installed, but like very, very minimal, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing is, they've almost taken the opposite approach of they spent their R&D budget, it feels, on like the cool camera app and bring a bunch of stuff over from the A7, which is cool, but doesn't really, I don't think it really like competes in the way it should. I also think that the rest of Android is so incredibly basic and it's still running Android 10 after all these months, even though even Samsung have updated to the Android 11 at this point. I mean, it's it's weird that you have stock Android and you also don't update it that often. Slide aside, but something that kind of irritates me. And uh, it's just a phone that like it is decent. Yeah, if you're stock Android, what is the holdup? I guess that if it's completely stuck, what's the, why can't it just be who's holding it up? It's a great question, right? And then, look, I don't want to... This is a little bit more of an anecdotal point, but I do think it's worth mentioning. Okay. I had well, some... This is your experience. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I had some odd issues with the phone. So, like, I was on a phone call, and the proximity sensor straight up was not working. So my face was constantly, like, pressing buttons, mm. and at one point I muted the phone call. Like, I was trying to hold it just far enough away, but I was in, like, a uh, loud environment. I didn't have headphones, mm. so I could just, like, put it on speaker. Uh, that happened to me a couple times. I, to be fair, after restarting the phone, it seemed to work a little bit better, but I, like, didn't really want to trust it after that. It's kind of like Bush League stuff, right? Yeah, a phone call should work pretty well but, like, on You shouldn't a be thinking phone. about, like, one of the very first innovations of the iPhone in 2007, right? The proximity yep. sensor. We shouldn't still be wondering if our phones are going to work that way, where it's the screen's going to turn off when your face is pressed against it. Exactly. Like, we're very, very, very <sighs> past this. <laughs> yeah, and again, this is not some budget phone. This cost me $950, Yeah. right? Like, look, the components are there. Obviously, uh, Sony manufactured the cameras and the sensors. It's got, like, Zeiss coating. And, like, everything is here that should work. The problem is it's a package that is not as good as the sum of its parts, right? It feels like it's 80% there, but it's, like, Sam, I don't know if Sony's smartphone division is just underfunded, which I would very much expect so because I don't think they sell that many of these things. But, like, it's, like, 80% there, but at a very much 100% price. And if this was a couple years ago, there's a lot of this stuff I, for, I could forgive. But when you look at something like the S21, which was such a clear contrast, because I literally 
took my SIM card out of the S21 straight into the Xperia 5 Mark II, it was a night and day difference of all these little and medium things stacking up very quickly. Um, so it probably won't be a surprise for you to learn that the SIM card has found its way back to its rightful home of the Z Flip, where I have been able to sleep soundly at night now, knowing that uh, I have my Z Flip gang to, to keep me warm on these cold winter nights. And uh, Xperia is, um, <laughs> I don't know, doing its thing. I don't even know. But like overall, the, the, the thing other than the camera for this phone is the form factor, the skinny mm-hmm. form factor, right? Yeah. Do you think that that is a form factor which actually is something other people should look at? Sort of, yeah. I like it. I I, I can't say that it was like earth shattering. Like, I mean, I think mm-hmm. that I like it the same way I like the Pixel 5. I, I liked it because they're smaller phones. I like that they're mm-hmm. different. Um, of course, there's the Xperia 1, which is a larger display. It actually, it's a 4K panel. Um, and there's even like the Pro model, which actually Marquez did a great video on. It has like an HDMI input, but it's got 5G. It's meant to be like a camera monitor and like a live streaming. Like, But it's like yeah. a very, very niche kind of thing. This is is cool. I would certainly be happy to see more phones with this kind of form factor. But to me, it's like Sony are trying to stay relevant. They're trying to be different. And this is one of the easy, quote unquote, easy ways that they could do it, right? They could give you, you know, a, a pro camera app to take advantage of all the Sony cameras that they sell. They can give you a different form factor because, you know, it plays well with the movies. And, you know, you can play it up like, oh, this is like a, a cinema camera on your phone. And they could add things like a headphone jack, which really is not even adding. It's just not subtracting, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. None of this stuff is bad in a vacuum. But... The execution just is not there. And quite frankly, it has been a while since I have purchased a phone and been like so unhappy, I Mm. think would be the way Mm. I would describe it. Um, Yeah, man, I couldn't wait to pull my SIM card out. I was going to use it for the whole couple weeks in between our couple episodes, right? Because I started using it. Pretty much the day we recorded our last episode. Right. I lasted three days before I caved and went back to Z Flip. Like, I was actively like, okay, I'm ready. Let's dip. I'm done with this thing. I I, I don't want to be too harsh. And to be fair, I think I've come off very harsh. But, like, this is not, in my opinion, an acceptable experience for a $950 phone. Right? I just, it's not there. And I would love to see Sony deliver on a slightly improved version because it doesn't like there's a lot of minor things that need to be improved right it's not like massive overhauls because there's a lot of good ideas and a lot of good components here but it's just it doesn't come together the way that i really feel like it should and so z flip just z flip although mike i have a very slight aside before we wrap up okay um in between those three days or whatever it was between the using the Xperia and using... Actually, no, to be fair, it was a little longer than that because I used the S21 before. So the couple weeks or whatever that I didn't use Z Flip, I scratched it. it, it it's the outer screen. It's the little outer display. Um, but I put the Z Flip in my bag mm-hmm. and something scratched that screen to the point where it's not cracked, but it's... um. I've seen better days. I can feel a pretty heavy little scratch slash crack with my finger. It's the outer display, though. It's not the inner display, so it's it's fine. But um, I was a little sad. It felt like a real kick in the teeth coming back to my good old Z Flip. And I'm like, oh, what's this? Oh, no. I should never have left you. It's not a big screen to have a scratch on, really, is it? 
It's, no, it's the whole thing is crashed. <laughs> it's across from corner to corner. 